0: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Clydesdale Media Music. Clydesdale Media Music. This is the show that is just for me. I love to talk about music and I love to talk about it with my friends. And so I am super stoked to have with me my special friend, Ashley Kotler. Ashley, how are you?
1: I'm great. How are you, Scott?
0: I am awesome. Uh, we both had birthdays this week.
1: We did. Capricorn season. Happy birthday. Happy birthday.
0: Same to you. Yours was yesterday.
1: Mine was the fourth. It was. Was that yesterday? No, that was Wednesday. No, two days ago. Two days ago.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's all a blur. It's all a blur in this crazy world that we live in.
1: It's true. We look great for twenty five, don't we, Scott?
0: We do. Yeah, I probably look awful for twenty (laughs) five. Great for fifty
1: three. So
0: we are going to count down the five greatest Broadway songs of all time. This I thought would be very easy because I'm very passionate about some musicals in my life. However, there's a lot of good songs. So So,
1: I feel like this is just kind of impossible because you gave zero parameters, like five best Broadway songs, like musicality, five best Broadway songs, lyrics, five best Broadway songs, whatever. So I try to give myself some parameters, but I'm also biased because like there are shows that I've done that I love, so it's very difficult.
0: I agree. Um, I do that on purpose because that way me and the guests can go in different directions and that's all fine. So I gave myself some parameters Uh, It wasn't much, but I will say that one of my parameters was that it couldn't be a musical that is, uh, was based on a songbook, right? Because because the songbook already existed, Mm -hmm. like Billy Joel's 52nd Street
1: Broadway, Right. right? right?
0: All those songs were written well before they were ever considered for Broadway and they're now incorporated in. So I did not pick any of those. And that's just my parameter. Yeah, You may have something different.
1: Yeah, the one parameter that I really didn't do was I didn't do anything. I mean, I picked one semi-contemporary one, but I guess like I'm dating myself because it's really not that contemporary anymore. But I didn't do anything really like written in the last 15 years-ish because to me, like a lot of the songs previously were kind of like precursors as to like what helped get, theater to where it is now so a lot of like the songs what i tried to do was kind of pick songs that were kind of paving the way to the newer contemporary songs that makes sense
0: yeah i would say one of mine is probably considered contemporary and the other four are not Hmm. um yeah yeah for sure um, and, and the one contemporary is, isn't 15 years. It's probably 25 years.
1: Yeah, my probably actually is too. <laughs> yeah.
0: So um, I want to share with the audience why you are qualified to do this. So I'm going to pull up your Instagram.
1: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Are you um, going to see that one quick, that I just posted?
0: <laughs> I am. Because... I was I actually played this for my family at Christmas. It was so good.
1: I sang it um, for my grandmother one Christmas because I sang it in college and uh yeah it, it it's a sweet song. It's called Christmas lullaby and I remember singing in in, in college and this was something that I just did quickly for my parents three years ago.' like a little Christmas present. I never really intended to to launch it and this year I was like, oh, you know what, just put it out there. who cares um yeah
0: and for people who don't know, you have actually been in Broadway shows.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: Yeah. yeah
1: so I got a musical theater major from the University of Wisconsin-Stevens Point. And then I moved out to New York City where I spent the four and a half, five years traveling all around the country doing um, doing off-Broadway shows. Uh, or I did I did do a couple off-Broadway concerts in New York City. Um, and then I did tons of shows regionally around the around the country. Which was really fun.
0: So I'm going to go ahead and play. The, I'm not going to play the whole thing, but at least get a taste. Butler <laughs> and her beautiful singing voice.
1: The reason I recorded this while I was pregnant. Was this character is pregnant on Christmas. Comparing yourself to Mother Mary, pregnant with with. Uh, to control your background or conquer half the world or claim the sun Is beautiful. Thank you. It's a lot harder to sing with a child on top of your diaphragm.
0: <laughs> I was more impressed with the children laughing and singing around you and that you were <laughs> able to stay in tune.
1: Yeah. 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 I think that's just a lot of, um, I mean, all the years of live theater, you know, you never really know what's going to happen. What's going to fall on you, what Costume malfunctions going to happen, so you just kind of have to keep going with the flow. I guess I guess it did help me for motherhood quite a bit. <laughs> my my musical theater yeah. training.
0: <laughs> yeah, my mom is. She's a singer. She sings "Barbershop," and mm-hmm. when I played it for her, she was like, "You can tell she's a pro because no. none of that stuff going on around her even affected her."
1: <laughs> so.
0: Well, I'm super excited to get to this. I'm super excited to hear what yours are. So let's go ahead and get started with number five. And you are the guest. So I will let you go first.
1: Oh, but now I might change around my order really quickly. I don't know. I'll keep it. I'll keep it. I've changed it so many times, by the way. Okay. Number five, I got rhythm. George and Ira Gershwin um originally from a musical called girl crazy but then later into um crazy for you which i was lucky enough to play my senior year of college i should actually hunt down some footage for that um super fun show total classic musical theater song um starts off as a solo bursts into the big huge tap dance number with the whole ensemble super fun, super catchy. Everyone knows the the lyrics. Everyone knows the melody. Um, And just like coming from a show that I, again, your all-time classic musical theater, boy meets girl, boy messes up, girl forgives boy. They go on their merry way. Um, So classic show, classic musical theater written by George and Ira Gershwin, um, iconic duo, couldn't leave that out. So that was just like The start of classic, beautiful, glorious, happy, good ending musical theater.
0: So I'm going to go in a completely different direction. (laughs) So my number five is from a 1982 off-Broadway production that gained so much popularity that it ended up on Broadway. And it is the song Feed Me, Get It from Little Shop of Horrors. Uh, Otherwise known as Feed Me Seymour. Um, Mm -hmm. And I have loved that song since I've been a little boy. Um, Probably when the movie came out and then I went back and saw it. It's probably one of the shows that have been done most by high school productions.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Across the land. Um, But I love that. And in the movie, it's one of the temptations. It's the bass from the temptations who sings the song. It is awesome. Uh, I love that song and uh, I had to get it into my top five.
1: He's, he's so good. That, that's, what's difficult too, right? Like there's some of these iconic songs that you love them so much because of the voice that's singing them. Right. Like, I mean, yeah, he, he is like the timbre of his voice is just so cool.
0: <laughs> well, and there were, there were other songs on in this musical that I love. I love dentist. Yeah. I love it's suddenly Seymour. Yes. That was not and amazing. I love, and I had to write it down. Um, whoops. I picked up the wrong note. Okay. It was uh, mean green mother from outer space.
1: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I know. It's so,
0: yeah. Love all those songs, but this is the one I had to put on my
1: list. Good one. Good choice. Good
0: choice. So number four.
1: Okay. Number four, you go or I go
0: you you're my guest you always go first
1: oh okay okay number four um song from rent seasons of love um just mainly because again remember how i was saying it was fun to pick songs that kind of treaded the way toward like the movement of theater now and so i think like rent and Jonathan larson was like a huge piece and a huge component as to how and why lin-manuel like has written Hamilton, which is kind of like again, rechanged the face of of musical theater. He's, you know, made a new light in you know, made it fun and interesting again. you know, it's not just the old corny, you know things. he's he's made Broadway fun. So um, rent, Seasons of Love, the show in and of itself is was was really one of the first iconic shows that were written about really uncomfortable topics and made a musical about, right? Like it was about AIDS, it was about the housing crisis. It was about like, you know, difficulties and issues of living in New York city and trying to make it work and and dealing with AIDS and, and all that kind of stuff. So it was like, it was very heavy material um, and seasons of love, like this is why I love theater, right? Cause you always you always have to get through difficult situations and finding like the love and humor in it, right? Like in life in general. So Seasons of Love is kind of cool because the way in which it's written, it's not the leading roles. It's the leading roles are in it. The entire cast is in the show, but it's actually the ensemble that has all of the solos within the song. And then it's an ensemble piece. But like the leads are kind of more of like the ensemble and supporting in in the song. Um, And it's just it's just a beautiful song of like, you know, how how do you measure a year? You know, like how 525,600 minutes is how many minutes are in a year. And how do you, how do you measure, you know, life and success and growth? And it's just like a very beautiful song that makes you think, makes you feel, makes you do what theater is supposed to have you do. Um, And then like behind the scenes too, I just think it's really, really interesting that Jonathan Larson never actually saw this, his show on Broadway. He, uh, he passed away I think it was the morning of their first preview when it was on Broadway. It was a heart issue. Um so it it was just, you know, on, honestly being the cast at that time to be able to sing this song in remembrance of him um and to really pave the way of like okay, now let's, you know, musical theater doesn't have to always be like fun and happy, right? We can talk about difficult situations, but I think the underlying reason why I picked this song is because again, it gives you that like underlying hope and want and, and love, you know, um, that carries us through any situation that's difficult. Um, It also was, was a one of the first shows that was based about like uh, one of the first rock musicals. I don't think it was the first one, but one of the first ones that they, you know, again, didn't have the classic pretty lilty this, that, and the other thing it was, you know, seeing rock and roll kind of on stage in front of you was something that was newer. Um, And yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess that's why it's just, it's a beautiful song within a difficult setting, um, which I think is all still super relatable.
0: And it was one of my honorable mentions. It ah! almost made, it almost made the top five,
1: <laughs> almost.
0: Uh, but not quite. So my number four is um, from a 1975 musical It was then revived in 1996. In 1997, it won six Tony Awards, including Best Revival. Mm. It is the longest running American musical on Broadway. The second longest running show. And it is All That Jazz from Chicago.
1: I had a hard time. I didn't have Chicago on my list, but I had a hard time not having Chicago on my list.
0: And as a boy who grew up in the 80s as a big Cheers fan, seeing BB New Earth as a sexy, sultry woman, not Lilith Crane, was very, very shocking uh-huh. to me. Uh-huh. Uh so um, that is that's why it stands out to me. Chicago is not my favorite musical, but I love love that song.
1: Yeah, it's it's absolutely. It's iconic. It's great. Yeah, it's got the, the dance, yeah. The jazz, the sultry. It's great. It's great.
0: It made yeah. jazz hands popular again.
1: The uh, I had an honorable mention of the cell block tango, but this is what's hard. Cell block tango is like such a fun spectacle because of like the lighting and the choreography. So that's what's hard, right? Like you pick a song and you're like, ooh, but then you're like, wait a minute. It's really not like the song, it's kind of like this the more of like the spectacle and stuff of it too, which makes which is what made this hard. But yeah, all that jazz is fantastic.
0: Perfect. Yeah, chill. my number one, my number one has a a song in that musical that's a more of a spectacle, but I went with the song over the spectacle. But we'll get to that in a couple <laughs> picks.
1: <laughs> um, okay, so my number three is my least excited pick. It was the one that I've like changed a million times. I couldn't find like a happy good. I felt like one of the parameters I gave myself was a, like a, a solo, right? Now solo. Okay. Do you do iconic solo? Do you do like, like ballad? Do you do power ballad? Do you do? I mean, the list is endless. I have like literally 15 honorable mentions for this alone. Um, But it's just, it's just hard. It's so hard. Uh, I picked Defying Gravity from Wicked. Um, yeah. And the reason why was because a lot of my picks were like older classics. Right. And so this musical obviously is my most contemporary one, which I got to look up when it came on Broadway. Cause I think it is more than it's, it's a while ago now.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, But you know, it's like the big power ballad, the big belt, the big, you know, it's like riveting, it's a difficult song to sing, you know, not a a lot of like classically trained people can like belt out these really high notes really hard. Um, And, and yeah, I mean, it kind of, I mean, Wicked, Wicked, the reason why I like Wicked is because so much of musical theater, right. Evolved from vaudeville and a lot of vaudeville was spectacle. Right. And like the showgirl era and all this kind of stuff, you know, uh, follies and all that, like, you know, all those pretty things. And and Wicked really like kind of was on a production level. And I know this is shying away from songs, but like on a production level, like a way to like really make a huge spectacle again with like theater. It was kind of like a big punch Cause it's expensive to do all the flying and the lighting and the pyrotechnics and all that kind of stuff. It's it's not easy to do like on national tours and small theaters. Like that's why a lot of small theaters really don't do this production because it's incredibly expensive to do and hard to do safely and hard to do. Um, right. But um, anyway, I just think that that defying gravity was a defying solo for kind of like the new age, um, belting
0: fun that has evolved. So wicked created a debate at my house for the holidays because, uh, my daughter has seen it on Broadway. Um, she loves, that's her favorite musical of all time. Mm -hmm. And, but she would have picked the duet.
1: The popular duet.
0: Yeah. And I've never seen wicked. So I, I, so it's hard for me to place it, um, but it's the uh, her knitman, the the famous frozen lady. Uh, I, oh, I, uh, D-
1: yes, Idina Menzel.
0: Idina Menzel and Kristen and Kristen uh, B- ben- uh, Chenoweth. <laughs> that duet, uh, my daughter loves, and so she was debating that was better than "Define Gravity." Um, so this this is the stuff that that has caused over our holidays is these debates.
1: <laughs> but
0: my my number three, uh, I said that Chicago was the second longest running show on Broadway. This is from the longest running show on Broadway, which is actually closing in April of this year.
1: Ah,
0: yep. <laughs> and this one is Music of the Night mm-hmm. from Fan of the Opera.
1: I'm glad you picked an Andrew Lloyd Webber because I didn't.
0: (laughs) So um, I I never saw Phantom. I heard the soundtrack first and I fell in love with the song without even seeing the musical. Then when I saw it, then the song went up several notches for me. And when I was in good voice, not with a chronic sinus infection, this was my this was my song to sing. I loved singing this song. And so for me, and actually the, my top three are all songs. I love to sing. So music of the night. Um, and I am having a brain fart right now. The The main guy that sings it, Michael Crawford, mm-hmm. Michael Crawford, amazing, amazing voice, uh, this had to make my list um and so it kind of rests right there in the middle uh because the next two have more personal feeling or meaning to me yep. than this but uh but i love this song technically just it's awesome
1: that's awesome yeah i love that pick um and i mean i mean andrew lloyd weber too it's like in his career it's, unbe- you know, it's unbelievable what he did people who don't know musical theater they all know something from Fan of the Opera. They all know, you know, memory from cats. They all, you know, people love and flock to uh, Joseph, of the amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, you know. So, like, he's, yeah, I mean, he's definitely done so much and probably like the most <clears throat> known of his musical theater songs, probably across the board. But yeah, beautiful. I actually, when I was really little, one nostalgic moment that I had about Phantom of the Opera was the national tour had gone through Green Bay and I worked, um, I worked cleaning condos in the summertime and actually the phantom was staying at the condos that I was cleaning in at the summertime. So I, I got his autograph and I got to meet him and then I got to go see him in the national tour and his little girl, you know, like it was so cool, you know, to meet the phantom.
0: Well. Yeah, that that's awesome.
1: Yeah, that's fun. All right, two? Number two. Two. Okay, I don't think anyone's going to know this one. So I had to pick something. Everyone knows the musical, Sweeney Todd. I had to pick something from Stephen Sondheim because Stephen Sondheim is a musical genius. Stephen Sondheim is to musical theater as William Shakespeare is to literature. Like, um, the way that he writes and and it's, it's really, really interesting. So my number two is Kiss Me from Sweeney Todd and it actually didn't make the movie and I was really sad about it <clears throat> and I didn't really know why it didn't make the movie um, because we had done a lot of like character study and scene study classes in college. And so I had done this scene with a scene partner. It's a duet and it's one of the most difficult songs to sing um, I think, in musical theater and just in general. So <clears throat> the the reason why I think like just musically, it's so cool and interesting is because so Stephen Sondheim writes like Shakespeare, right? Like you don't get a whole lot of, of um, artistic freedom as a performer to like sing these roles and do these roles like as you see it, because like how he writes it is like how you're going to sing it and how you're going to do it. So the character Joanna, it's a duet between Joanna and Anthony. And um, Joanna is locked up in, in her little cage house thing. And she sings a solo called "Greenfinch and Linnet Bird, where she's like flighting all around. And she's like very flighty. She's not grounded. And so all of her music is very like all over the place, really high pitched. Like um, that solo for her is kind of like defining who she is as, as a character. So the duet, is similar to that. You know, she's singing like super high and all around and all o- over the place. Um, and, and <laughs> I just remember when I was in college singing, I'm like, when do I breathe? When do I breathe? When do I breathe? When do I breathe? Because I've hit all these really high, fast, short notes. Um, but then like the duality of her with her love interest, Anthony, who is pretty much the most grounded person in, in the play and the musical um, he sings. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a theme throughout the whole show. of Sweeney Todd. He sings this, I feel, I feel you Joanna. And it's to me, that is one of like the most beautiful melodies in all of theater. Um, so he's singing like just this beautiful grounded, like long, um, you know, grounded, gorgeous melodies while she's like, <laughs> up here. And it's just like the duality of that song is just kind of shows your your, you know, how how much of a genius um Sondheim really is to be able to like make two totally opposite people fit somehow in a song and fit together. And 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 I don't know, like I I just think it's a it's a beautiful song. It's incredibly difficult. Like you can listen to this song over and over and you're like that the, the the time signature keeps changing. It's it. And it's just like, and it's all for different reasons. So like the more you listen to it, the more you're like, whoa, like he, he gets these beautiful melodies. He gets character development in it. He gets how they somehow fit together with these two totally opposite backgrounds. Um, and it's just, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just a really cool duet. And obviously there is a laundry list of, incredible duets in musical theater. But I just thought like this one kind of encompassed so many different things of the music, the difficulty, the, the character development, the, you know, the duality between the two contrasting characters that somehow work. Um, You know, it was that me, that's my number two.
0: So that's funny because my number two, uh, Steven Sondheim was the lyricist for Uh, This is my favorite musical of all time. Ooh. This, uh, so this one, and there are four masterwork songs in this musical. Now, again, it is my favorite of all time. So I had to pick one. I had to pick one. And I picked the one that was my first ever solo performance in front of people. Oh, and uh, and that one is that uh, my mom, I told you, sings barbershop. They would do a yearly show, and one year they had a family talent show where members of the families would come up during their intermission and they would do um, they would do a talent show. And so, my mom, the lead in my mom's quartet, and I did a medley from this musical. I was still in high school, so like 15 or 16 years old. And my number two song is Maria.
1: Ah, I'm so glad you picked that because that was on my list too. And I was like, I can't not put it, but there's no space for it. So I'm really glad. Yeah. uh, gorgeous. Gorgeous. But
0: Masterworks were that tonight somewhere. And, uh, one hand, one heart, all one hand, one heart was sung at my wedding by Aww. the person I did the medley with.
1: Aww.
0: so I like it's 16. I did a medley with her. She sang at my wedding. And, uh, and so, yeah. And then there's so many good songs in that, uh, when you're a jet officer, Crumpy, um, America. America, all of it. I love it. Um, And I've seen it probably 50 times. It's something my mom and I always watch together. And uh, so it had to be that one because it was my first public performance with a solo.
1: Yep. Yep. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. Santa and Bernstein was the musical writer for that. Um, And gosh, it's just, it's, it is the best, the it best. Yeah, and it is very old school.
1: Yep. 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 Romeo and
0: Juliet. Yep. Done in a fifties way. Yep. And, uh, and so it's just amazing.
1: And, so and that is my number that, two. Be timeless, you know?
0: And it, there was a good chance that that was going to be my number one. My number one and my number two could flip flop depending on the day. So So what
1: side story is your favorite musical? It is. I unfortunately did not put a song from my favorite musical on my list. Because it was, it's hard. It was hard.
0: Well, and my, my other restriction was I could only pick one song per musical.
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So only one could make the list. So now we're to number one.
1: Number one. So I I love this show. It has a very special place in my heart because I got I got to perform it twice. I performed it once up in Beverly, Massachusetts, and it was probably single handedly one of like the greatest, most beautiful experiences of my life. Um, I was in the ensemble and I understudied all of the female ensemble roles, which is incredibly tricky because actually one girl did go out and then, you know, all this all of the the women just randomly have like little solos interjected throughout the soul so um, the show so the issue was um, one person goes out and you're like okay which spider web of solos is she doing in the show um so it, it unbelievable experience I mean I was in a I, I was so unbelievably lucky I, I was in a cast of tons of people that had been on Broadway or that had gone on to do Broadway shows. So like the cast was incredibly, incredibly well-rounded. We were up in Beverly, Massachusetts during the fall. So we got to see the colors change. It was the year the Red Sox won the world series in Boston. We were in Boston that night, like start to finish. It was just, I, I, you know, some of the people that have been my lifelong forever friends I established from that show, my roommates there. Um, But lame is, It's a beautiful show. Um, And of course, there's a million songs in that show too that you can pick. Um, But I think overall, the song that I chose is One Day More. Um, Because, you know, it's such a complete song in the fact that it does start out with solos from all of the leads. So you have like, you're getting like inklings of them and their lives and, and the pieces of the world that they're in individually. And then all of a sudden, the whole entire ensemble comes in. And, you know, it's a historical retelling of the French Revolution. Um, you've got these people gathering together. You know, obviously, it's a very sad ending because uh, it's called The Miserables. Yeah. <laughs> I'll never forget. There was one time like we overheard someone. They're like, well, this is just so sad. It's like, well, the title of the show is The Miserables. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's like... um. But, but anyway, it's like, it's, it's the best going into intermission song possible. Again, it's like filled with hope, filled with love, you know, Um, I, you know, war now versus war years ago is such a different thing um, in how it, you know, how we do it and how it unifies people. But I just think like, it is just a, such a beautiful, beautiful world of, of patriotism, of coming together, of love of hope, you know, of them standing on that line and not knowing what to expect and uniting together and just the most beautiful, glorious songs and, and, and melodies. And I mean, your heart can't be not beating when, when that, when that song is on, I mean, in my opinion. So anyway.
0: So my number one, um, gosh, I may have broke my own rule because I said that I wasn't going to do a songbook, So this, this didn't start on Broadway, but the, all the music was written for this story. And so um, I saw this here in Columbus and it opens up with the greatest spectacle I've ever seen in musical theater. Mm-hmm. And I did not pick this song but it starts with the song circle of life with all of the animals marching down the aisles flying around the stage it is awe inspiring what that what that opening is um almost as good as the the movie where all the animals are coming to pride rock and so that's what they're sim- they're simulating
1: with mm-hmm. these m-
0: big, huge puppets or marionettes, whatever you want to call them, um, coming to the stage, um, and you just have goosebumps everywhere. But my favorite song from The Lion King is "Can You Feel the Love Tonight," oh. the love the love song of Simba and Nala, and it is so well done, written by Elton John. Um, he is amazing. Um, and I would, as much as I love Elton John the performer, I think he was at peak songwriting for Lion King.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the songs are gorgeous, so they gorgeous.
0: are. And and they all fit the story so, mm. so well. This song was also sung at my wedding, and so it means a lot to me. It is a song I love to sing. I have performed it in front of people several times. Um, if I, again, did not have a chronic sinus infection, I would hum <laughs> a few bars, um, of that, but, uh, I just, I, I love the song. I can listen to it over and over and over again. Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. It's it is. It is beautiful, beautiful, beautiful song. Yeah.
0: For and sure. that is my only contemporary pick, uh, of the bunch. Um, but it was mid nineties is when it went to Broadway. And uh, so it's still 20, almost 30 years. It's crazy. Gosh, I'm old.
1: I've never seen it on Broadway. I've never seen it in theater. Actually. I've never seen Lion King in theater. Mm -mm. We need to go. (laughs) So I wonder if you know my favorite show. So what
0: I know about you is so when I came to your house, you sang from a musical for me. Did I? That you did. Uh, Eliza Doolittle from My Fair Lady.
1: Oh. Uh,
0: it was so my, my, my no
1: no. But I understudied. Okay. I understudied Eliza, and what a fun, amazing, beautiful role that is like to do and to perform. Um, that's a that's a great show. I mean, get me to the church on time. That's an- another big like show stopping number. And I mean, there, I could have danced all night. I mean, yeah, that another great show. But my favorite Bruce show Wayne
0: is, is guessing cats.
1: What? Not cats. Nope. Nope. Not a cat person.
0: <laughs> no. Me neither. I'm not a fan of that show. The music is good.
1: I never I never the saw show, it. Meh. I never saw it. Um, I mean, I know the Travis music.
0: is asking, did Justin sing for me? Justin did not sing for me that day.
1: Uh, you know, a goal of mine, because my entire family could do Les Mis. I could be Fontaine. Ivy could be Cosette. Justin could really do. Well, he he says now that his voice has gotten a lot lower. He used to be Jean Valjean, but he's like now I'd have to do Javier. <laughs> um uh and then Jax would be an adorable little Gavroche. <laughs> so I'm like maybe we can do a little Cotler Cotler Lemiz uh song so, medley. So
0: I will say Travis, when I went to their house, it was their old house, not their new house. And but they did have a piano and guitars on the wall. Um, so it is a very musical family. Um, but I, I have heard Justin's album mm-hmm. and I actually have it in a playlist um, because I like it so much. We'll
1: just have to... And now Bruce
0: kids. is guessing uh, High School, high school musical. musical.
1: No, not High School Musical. I'm too old for I, that.
0: Yeah, too my old. daughter was into that big time and I am sick of it still to this day. <laughs>
1: So my favorite when are we starting? Very, the very first. Ooh, that's a good idea. When are we starting Clydesdale karaoke? I like that. There we go. Mine was the very first. It, my favorite musical is the first <laughs> I ever did, that I ever performed. And it's not a common one that's done, especially in high schools. I was in sixth grade selected to do the high school musical. Any other guesses?
0: Sixth grade, female Oliver twist.
1: No good guess though. It wasn't Oliver and it wasn't, um, Annie it was the secret garden. Okay. And the score in that show is so unbelievably beautiful. Like I, I played Mary Lennox. I played like the, the little girl. It's, it's a, it's based off of the book. Um, but the score in it is absolutely stunning. And I actually have only ever seen once it done professionally. One of my <clears throat> close friends was in it. So we went and saw her and it was so fun to see a professional, um, version of it when we had done it in high school, but it was a be- it's such a beautiful show. Um, Mandy Patinkin, you know, Mandy Patinkin. I yes, mean, I do. He is such a stud. There's a duet. There's a male duet in there that I was wanting to put on my list called Lily's Eyes. And it's these two brothers who are in love with the same woman. And uh, I mean, Mandy Patinkin can do no wrong in my book. That voice is, oh, he's, I love him. Love him. Love him.
0: Well, I will run through my um, honorable mentions because I only have like a handful. And then I know you have like a novel. So so mine are uh, The Impossible Dream. That's on mine. Uh, Don't cry for me, Argentina.
1: That's on mine. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Big Spender.
1: That's one I missed, but that's a fantastic one.
0: And I'm telling you, I'm not going to.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Or I'm not going.
1: I'm not going. Uh, from
0: Dream Girls. Yep. Um, and Jennifer Hudson took that to a new level. Oh. Um, the original one is great. But she went oof. to a new level with that song.
1: Oof, oof, oof.
0: Um, And for people that don't know, there that was a musical before it was a movie. Yep. Uh, it was a musical in 1981 and, uh, and then became a movie much later with all the famous people.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I actually really liked that movie musical because a lot of movie musicals I don't love. Like sometimes it just doesn't translate as well, I don't think. Um, I know they they did a great
0: job with that one.
1: Yeah. I thought they did an unbelievable job with that one. Um, yeah, I had, I I didn't have the dream girls one in there, but I had the majority of the other ones that you had in there. Um, all right. I had so similar, uh, I had a couple of the same ones, sending the (laughs) Clowns company. That was, that was close. Beautiful song. Uh Back to Before from Ragtime. Uh, I I just because I sang that a ton, it got me so many callbacks. <laughs> I sang the last like 16 bars of that song. It got me a lot of callbacks. Um, Suddenly Seymour was on there, Old Man River, If I Were a Rich Man, I Dreamed a Dream, Cabaret, Corner of the Sky. These are mostly like solos. Um, and then, um, I mean, this one's just funny. It's not really a great song. I don't know if you've ever have you ever seen seen the musical, The Full Monty. I have not. Okay, well, but I, I have have a, a but I have a
0: funny story about the movie.
1: Do you? What's that?
0: I'll, I'll let you finish, and then I'll come in.
1: Um. So, The Full Monty. It like I have ne- like the way that that show like, gets the audience involved, like, whether you're a guy, a girl, young, middle, or old, it, like, it is just, it is such a beautiful show, because it's just a handful of, like, blue-collar, normal, everyday people with, like, hilarious songs and incredibly relatable marital, you know, issues um, that are funny, you know, and then it's, it's, it's just, like, you know, you just, The the progress of the show, you just learn to love them so much. And by the end, when they actually do the full Monty at the very end of this Let It Go song, I mean, everyone is just howling. And it's just, the energy that that show brings, it's just so, it's so much fun. It's so much fun. So much fun.
0: So, in the movie, they dance to You Sexy Thing. (laughs) Do you you know that song from the 70s?
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, of course. Is does does that
0: make the musical? That's it. No, that's that not way.
1: in the. That's not in the musical.
0: Okay. So, the guy who wrote that song worked in the mailroom at where I work.
1: Oh wow!
0: Talk about a fall from grace.
1: Yeah, that's so cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Is he, is he still yeah. working in the mailroom?
0: I think he's retired now. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah but
0: they he would still like he was still in a band uh with some of the ohio players they like formed a band after their sick both successes uh and they were awesome like anytime they were playing in town it was definitely worth going to see yeah but yeah his it was still kind of a side gig for him because he was doing the mail yeah that's
1: awesome hey it's great yeah what about cabaret Uh I
0: didn't put anything in there. I think the biggest surprise for me is another one of my favorite musicals is uh Jesus Christ Superstar.
1: Another Andrew Lloyd Webber.
0: But none of the none of the songs elevated into where I could put them even in a top 10.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Did so, you know, with with Andrew Lloyd Webber with Joseph, that he wrote that show based on a either a dare or a bet? Someone bet him that he couldn't write a show that encompassed all the different types of musical, mu- all the different types of of um, songs. Like, so there's a country song. There's you know he did he did all the different types of so that's and I'm I'm pretty sure he won the bet. That's what Joseph yeah. off of. That to, to, write a, to write a show with the song and all the different musical genres. And he did. And that's like a very loved wow. music. I played the narrator in that one summer, which was fun. Was
0: yeah, fun. I've never seen Joseph. Joseph. Yeah, that's...
1: yeah, Joseph is a, it's a very, it's a popular one. Very popular one. There's one also, and I would kind of define it more of a play with music. Not so much of a musical, but I saw it on West End. Um, and it, what, Blood Brothers, I don't know if you've ever heard of it. That is, it's, it's, I would define it as a play with music. Cause it, it's like more so like character development and more, it's, it's, a, it's a good musical if you like acting chops and it's awesome. It's a great show.
0: Yeah. So my, my love of theater came really like my mom and I watched old movie musicals and then. My senior year in high school, we didn't have senior trips or anything, but the English department was going to, um, Stratford on the lake in Canada for a Shakespeare festival.
1: Oh, cool.
0: And so I said, you know, what easier way to get permission from your parents to go to Canada where the drinking age is under 18. (laughs) Um, Then to say, I'm going to a Shakespeare festival. And so my buddies and I, we went and my, the first musical I ever saw live was um, my fair lady. Mm. And it was at this Shakespeare festival. And then I loved it. And then when we moved to Columbus, the company I worked for had tickets for all the musicals and you could put your name in for a drawing and apparently nobody wanted to go. And so my wife and I would get tickets for everything coming. And that's we, awesome. and they were like second row seats. So we would go to everything. And then when I left that company, um, we started doing that on our own. We would just with my, with my mom and my nephew and, and my, we would just buy tickets for the season and rotate who got to go. And then, um, and then we had a kid and all <laughs> that stopped. <No>,
1: stopped. <laughs> I know I'm excited that I think i would be starting to get to the age now where I think I could bring her to see her first show my first show was sound of music and I saw Maria Osmond play Maria which was really cool and just magical I just you know it's live theater is magical I mean I know that they're they do a lot of stuff um, you know on on movies now and they recreate it. it's just like the feelings though that you get are not the same as sitting there watching it live and 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 also, it's, it's kind of fun because it's like I so I still remember like certain feelings of how I felt like with Blood Brothers or Miss Saigon or, you know, um, doing certain things. But then on the flip side, like performing some of these amazing shows, like the feelings that you get from the audience in reverse is like also really, really neat. Like I think probably one of the most impactful moments that like it happened every single night when I, I was one of the Kit Kat girls in cabaret. Um, and that show, that show is like, I, I was really lucky to do that show too, because it, it's um again, it's another historic retelling that Kit Kat club is a, is symbolism for what's going on during the rise of Hitler and Nazi Germany at the time. Um, so it starts off all like fun and games and cute and playing and happy and excited. And then all of a sudden it just slowly gets dingier and darker and, all that kind of stuff. And there's one moment, it's the first number in the second act where all the Kit Kat girls come on and you, we start like dancing. I couldn't pick this one because it's not a it's not a song. It's just pretty much like a dance number. And the the song starts as a kick line. So you know and everyone in the audience and you can feel us see the smiles and everyone's like, oh so cute, fun big kick number number. And then all of a sudden we turn around and we put a Hitler stash on and the kick line turns into the Nazi march. And honestly, like every night, it just literally felt like you sucker punched absolutely everyone in the stomach. And it just, the air just pulled out of the theater. And I think like, as a performer, like to feel that kind of impact is like, you know, always why I loved it. And I, I love that show too, because we did not have a curtain call. I hated curtain call. Like I got into theater to make people think and feel. And I think like doing that show for me was like, so rewarding because in that instant you could just feel people be like oh my god I fell for it kind of thing you know and and like I said just got sucker punched with the with the wind out of their sails and also I've done other shows too where it's like you do a number and like the the excitement and the energy you just you feel it you feel it in live theater it's harder to do that when you're on your couch at home you know
0: So let me ask you this. You lived in New York city. You had access to the greatest live entertainment in the world. Now you live in Vegas. Are, are they similar or do you miss, do you miss Broadway?
1: So, you know, it's funny. Um, when I was auditioning, for shows. Like I'd I'd audition for like a lot of Broadway shows and stuff like that. And I'd sit on those audition benches for a long time. And those walls are paper thin. So you can hear everyone that goes in there and auditions. And I got to be honest, like there were, there were more than a handful of times where I would sit there and I would listen to one or two people go into that audition room. And I would just be like jaw on the floor. And then I would go and I'd watch the show on Broadway months later when it opened and I was so sad. And I was like, wait a minute, the talent that I heard sitting on those audition benches, and this is who you picked. Like, that's, you know, it's the politics of everything. And um, I think that's really like and truly like where theater, I lost a lot of my love for it because it wasn't about putting like the best people in the best positions. And it's like, and then I think that's why I turned to CrossFit because I was like, I started, you know, I competed that one year, but You know, I was like, I can go and it's this is the weight that's on the bar and that's the time. And there's there's no politics like that's what it is. And I think I think like when I slowly started getting out of theater, you know, I remember calling my mom one time when I had flown back and forth. I was doing a show in in, at Coastal Center of Art um, in South Carolina at Art Center of Coastal Carolina And I flew back twice within a span of four days to because I was up for Belle and Beauty and the Beast on the national tour. And I walked out of that room and it was a situation where it was like I knew I was the best person for that role. Because when you get that far along, everyone stays in the room and you sing and and dance and and do your lines with the top four people. And I walked out and I knew I was the best person for the role. And I kind of felt like everyone knew that, too, but I didn't get it and I knew I didn't get it. And I walked out, I called my mom, I said, I love it, but it just doesn't love me back. And, you know, it that's that's the grind, right? And and so, um, I mean, that was kind of like when it lost a lot of its luster for me when I was just like, you know, I, I don't know the right people in the right places. You know, it had nothing to do with talent. And all of the agents that I'd ever auditioned in front of, too, were like, listen, we love you, but we are full of capacity of five foot four Caucasian females with long, dark Brown hair. And, you know, unfortunately that's the reality of it, you know? Um, but, but, you know, so, you know, I, it was hard. There was a lot of times where then I, you know, I, I unfortunately stopped going to shows for a really long time because I just knew so many people that could do those roles so much better, you know, um, and so that that kind of got got a little bit hard. Um, but overall, like, you know, what theater is and what it what it does and what it's supposed to do, I think, is such a beautiful thing. You know, it it forces us to think, it forces us to love, it forces us to, you know. And unfortunately, I just think like the new trend of entertainment in all capacity is just hitting the people over the head with reality shows. This is what you should think. This is what you should feel. Um, And it doesn't really allow people to, within their own space, develop the thoughts and the feelings on their own anymore. And so I think, like, that's one thing that has evolved and that has gotten sad. And that's why we've seen, like, a trend away from theater. Um, So it'll be interesting, you know. But
0: But you live in Vegas now where it's not, like, the people on the stage are generally there by themselves or with, it's one or two people that have worked their way to earn their spot on that stage. Do you get a chance to go see now? Yeah. Do you get a chance to go see that kind of stuff?
1: Well, so I think, sorry, I totally didn't even answer your question before. <laughs> I think, um, the culture here,
0: I'm, there, I'm used it, to that. I've been married for 25. years.
1: <laughs> the culture here is very different than New York, you know, like, um, and that I do miss, like there is a, you know, New York has ballets and art institutions and all that kind of stuff. And it's, you know, it's more of an artistic culture, whereas here the culture is a little different. Um, the entertainment is a little different. Um, so I wouldn't, I don't really, I wouldn't really say that the culture here is as artistic. Um, a lot of it is, you know, like America's got talent, right. Where like they find one or two people, um, that have like a show or like a headline and those people are what goes on the strip for a show like David Copperfield. Um, And then they have like their big transient artists, like, um, you know, obviously Adele is here right now on her residency. Um, So like when it comes to art and theater, that type of culture is not big here there's there's the Smith Center but it's kind of like any other transient city where they have get national tours that kind of come through so there isn't a real big I wouldn't say like artistic theater type culture here yet um but Vegas is changing Vegas is growing you know like they've got they're increasing their sports teams left and right which is cool um, there's lots of great construction going on. So, um, but the fact that the Smith center is somewhat new with getting the, the, the theater through, um, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if that's something that would continue to grow in the future here, which is kind of cool. Cause then it's like an untapped market too, you know, and then also like the type of art and things is like the Cirque du Soleil performers. Um, it's more spectacle. It's a lot more spectacle and less less artsy the culture here I would have to say but I also haven't had a chance to really get out and see a whole lot of it
0: but you're glad you moved
1: oh we love it here we love it here yeah so glad um yeah I mean I definitely miss my friends um in New York I do not miss the weather at all Um, I do not miss the cost of living at all. (laughs) Um, and you know, the, the safety there has changed a lot too. Um, so I, I think with, with now New York lost a lot of its luster for us when we, when we started our family, um, just the heavy existence, getting around the expense, trying to find parking, all that kind of stuff. Um, so here it's kind of like, what's great is that we have the strip. We have the really, really good, nice restaurants. We have shows, nice shows. Um, they're just a little bit different, not quite as artistically cultural cultured as New York. Um, but we've got shows. So it's kind of like, we've got the suburban lifestyle of living, which is, makes the ease of raising a family really fun. And you go 15 minutes West from our house and we've got Red Rock and Mount Charleston, some of the best, like most beautiful hiking and rock climbing in the world. And then you go 15 minutes East and you're on the strip to go to, an, an, you know, you've got like the city life if you want it, you know, with the with the ease and beauty of nature and with the ease and beauty of, of getting around and, and having kids. So that in mind, everyone should move to Las Vegas.
0: <laughs> you always have to get that in there.
1: <laughs> it's great. We love it. We absolutely love it. I mean, it's like it's been 50s and the last like couple of weeks, and I've been we've been like it's so cold.
0: <laughs> I don't want to babies. hear that.
1: We're such babies. we get to
0: we get to 50s, and I'm in my speedo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. So, I also heard that you have one of the best CrossFit training camps in the country.
1: We happen to have one of the best training camps, which we're actually having a an actual underdogs camp, um, January 28th and 29th here. And we're almost closing up registration for that, but it's going to be an incredibly cool camp. I'm excited. There's just been, there's been a lot of underdogs that are coming that I've been in contact with, but really only on Instagram. So I'm super excited to meet them in person. We've got tons of really great like partners and companies coming in um, and we have like a great lineup for, for just the breakout sessions. Um, so our goal with the camp, which is really exciting to me, because I, you know, Justin and I, like we can't really just immerse ourselves in one aspect of someone's life. Like, you know, it, it's really true. People become our family, you know? And, and so part of like creating underdogs has been that. And then, um with with the camp you know it's not it's not just entirely about fitness um our goal with the camp is to to help athletes in both fitness and in life so because of the timing of the season the camp fitness side of it is going to be geared more toward like the open prep and open just because that's where we're at in the season right now and that's going to be the most beneficial for athletes but then we've also got um you know Life things um, we've got Ben Beck from Beck Bodie, who owns a wealth management company that I work with, um, giving a lecture on personal finance um, we're We're gonna have Patrick Clark come out um, and talk about um, the benefit of building and creating a brand and being sponsored and how to create your brand for yourself um, we're going to supply we've got a, um a media uh, a media guy who's going to be offering like um, you know, pictures and shoots and, and reels and stuff like that for the athletes that come and kind of talk about the benefit of why is this important? How do you create your brand? How do you help that create your finances for your future? Um, so we're kind of putting all these pieces together. We've got some great sponsors, our smart gears coming, who is one of my all-time favorites, Dave, as you know, and, um, uh, paleo power meals. Like, so, so we're really excited to kick to kick that off it's our first one so we will we'll, we will see how it goes hi you want to say hi <laughs> and we are going a special guest appearance from jacks what do you have spaghetti all over your face <laughs> so yeah and then and then february on with the season right oh i can't hear you did i lose you I hit a button oh that's okay it's okay um so yeah and then i I almost
0: made it through the whole show without muting myself and now (laughs) the the listeners are going to give me a lot of shit right now for that
1: (laughs) so Um,
0: that's awesome and i'm super excited for the season yeah um i love your athletes i love you guys you guys know that um i can't wait to get back out there again um, I want to thank you so much for jumping on doing this. This was so much fun. You're
1: going to be in Waterpalooza, right? I won't be there, but I, you're, you'll be there, I know. right?
0: I will be there. Right. Uh, yeah, we're doing three shows live on the stage. But uh, one of your friends is being interviewed by us on Friday, Miss Carrie, Carrie Pierce. Pierce. She's a good one. <laughs> and we need to make this a yearly birthday week event.
1: We do something
0: fun <gasps> yeah. every year, birthday yeah. week. and there's there's the man (laughs) we got her down from 68 to 20
1: yeah that's good Come on. thank you so much thank you happy new year happy birthday and have fun at waterpalooza
0: yeah same to you happy birthday yesterday or two days ago and we'll see you soon
1: sounds good bye scott bye